Gabe. Today we are going to talk about star-crossed lovers in the most unique and twisted way you could possibly think of. But that is the theme today. Welcome to Babe. It's me, Sean. Hey, hi everybody. Could it be? Yes, it could. Something's coming, something good. If I can wait. That's the name of this podcast. Something's coming. And uh, yeah, that's the title. Something's coming is the title for this episode, which is about star-crossed lovers. So it's it's two things I wanted to talk about. Uh, and one came very suddenly to me yesterday. <laughs> but one is I want to do a, a quick review of the movie West Side Story. Oh, my God. What a brilliant fucking film. You just I, I can't get enough. It's like there's so much eye candy in the movie and the songs are so beautiful. And of course, it's based on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, and uh, it's about star-crossed lovers. And then I'm going to tie that into whatever happened to my possibly dead gay porn star (laughs) ex-boyfriend, which is not, I think, what Shakespeare was was thinking about with star-crossed lovers. But I uh, I like to I like to make a connection. So we have West Side Story. And then a guy I used to date became a porn star. Is he dead or alive? So these are, I don't know if everyone can relate to these topics, but I'm going to try and make it universal for young and old alike. So let's see. Let's start with the movie West Side Story. Well, okay, no, we're not going to start with that. Let's start with why am I even able to do this podcast today? Why am I alone? Yesterday, I looked in my rearview mirror and I looked cross-eyed and I'm not cross-eyed, although... I love people who are cross-eyed. I think it's adorable. So I actually have like a little weird thing for people who are just slightly cross-eyed, like Andy Cohen. His little wonky eye gets me, it gets me going. So anyway, but I'm like, I'm not cross-eyed. So why, what's going on? And I noticed the inside of my eye was red. I'm like, oh, oh, red inside of eye. And then the outside of my eye became red and it began to tear. So by evening, I was pretty sure I had pink eye and which having a a toddler at home, they bring all kinds of it's a Petri dish of disease at uh, the child care center. So he's always bringing something home. Sometimes he's immune to it and just he passes it along to us. So not that I'm blaming my son for this, but I was pretty sure I had pink eye um, by by evening. And so I called Teladoc, which is this really cool thing where you don't have to go to the doctor. You can video conference uh, a call or take a picture or just do it over the phone. And then they uh, a real doctor answers and has to trust you, I guess. I told him, pretty sure I have pink eye. They called in a med and I said, can I go to work tomorrow? And he's like, well, do you have to interact with people? <laughs> I work in an isolation tank where uh, I'm alone for eight to nine hours. Well, of course I have to interact with people. And he said, are you going to touch these people? I don't touch people at work, but I touch papers that they touch. So anyway, he said not to go to work today, which was pink eye a gift sent from God? I mean, I'm fully functional, so I can, you know, go about the house. It's not like I'm wearing a neck brace or or can't leave the house if I wanted to. Uh, I did leave the house to get my eye drops. So it's kind of like this sudden day off. And I've got like a list of 100 things. I feel like I'm going to do 100 things in the next seven hours before Eric and Jackie get home. So, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I'm making lists. Well, I'll probably do three things off of that list, but I thought I have an idea for an episode. I have time for babe. So here I am. It's also the summer solstice. It's June 21st. And it's the people like to say uh, it's all over Facebook. It's the longest day of the year. Well, you know what? I hate to tell you this. All the days are 24 hours. <laughs> uh, but I know what people mean. The sun's going to be out until like 930 tonight. So get out on your front porch, get out on your front lawn, run through a sprinkler, take a bike ride, do something outside. I, I really that's my goal with Jackson is to get him outside as much as possible and away from the television. And uh, I was listening to Dax Shepard's uh, amazing podcast, and he was talking, it was called Experts on Experts, and it was a uh, child, a clinical psychologist talking about child rearing, and they were talking about how, like, you're an epic fail as a parent if your child isn't outside, like, touching a tree five to six times a day and inhaling, you know, the fresh air. So getting, I don't want to be an epic fail. I want him to be out in nature, and not in front of the television. So tomorrow we're going to the zoo, which is, uh, can I go to the zoo with pink? Eye? Are you allowed in? I don't know. This, this could be a wreck. But anyway, it's the longest day of the year. I have pink eye. I'm not allowed to, to touch other people. So I'm going to tell you what I think about West Side Story. Oh, so wonderful. So find West Side Story in the next 24 hours and watch it and think of my words. It's um, a film that was made in 1961. And right, it's basically the story of Romeo and Juliet. We have Tony, and uh, he is a Caucasian person. And then we have Maria, who is allegedly a Puerto Rican person. So Natalie Wood, who is not Puerto Rican, plays Maria. And her accent is makes me a little crazy during it. It almost seems like she's sort of low-functioning. Like, she just... She only knows a few words, so she, when she's being effusive, she really doesn't sound too uh, convincing. She's a little simple. Is she simple? So Maria. And then we have Tony, who's supposed to be rough and tumble, but he's like the nicest guy around. And he was played by a handsome man named Richard Bamer, who's still alive, actually. I think he's in the Twin Peaks remake. But anyway, he is, I, he's kind of like, he's ancillary hot. He's not exactly hot, but you almost can't wait for him to eventually like rip his shirt just to see what's going on. So you've got Tony who is really kind of comes off as a little effeminate, uh, but he is a, was once the toughest jet, which is one of the gangs that rules the Upper West Side. And then um, you have the Sharks, and the Sharks are the Puerto Rican gang. So if you take a look at the Sharks, um, I don't know how many actual Puerto Ricans are really making up the Sharks either. There is uh, the head of the Sharks, which is Bernardo, and Bernardo is played by a very, very handsome dancer named George Shakiris, who is still alive. Don't Google pictures of George Chakiris. He looks horrifying. He, he, it's like the portrait of Dorian Gray, but he's uh, the portrait. He's not the Dorian Gray. Um, he's the leader of the Sharks. He actually was a dancer. He's been a dancer in, he was a dancer in uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. He was a dancer in um, White Christmas, and he's striking. He's in a number with uh, Rosemary Clooney and... Oh, the, 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 his jawline and his, he's just beautiful. So the head of the Jets is Riff, played by Russ Tamblin. And honey, can he dance? Can he dance? 
at the uh, the very famous dance at the gym, which is to me like when you well, like so we decided last time when you die and go to hell, you are forced to watch videos of all of your drunken blackouts with your parents and you're not allowed to look away nor are they. But when you go to heaven, you are just, you're in the dance number, dance at the gym, and you know all the moves, and you just get to, you, you, you just get to dance, dance, dance. And uh, he is incredible, an incredible dancer. Not much of a singer. No one in the film is really singing. <laughs> the, the most famous voiceover uh, singer is Marnie Nixon, who who did singing for many movies. She sang for uh, Deborah Carr and The King and I. I think she did some a, a recording of The Sound of Music. She they always brought in Marnie Nixon to uh, look that one up. Marnie Nixon. How many how many people were singing? And it was actually Marnie Nixon. She sings for Rita Moreno, who plays Anita on a couple songs. But uh, Rita Moreno is fantastic. And she honey, she does some acting. When she goes to confront the Jets uh, to warn, well, she lies and says that Maria, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, um, Rita Moreno, who's still uh, alive and kicking, she's on Norman Lear, my hero, Norman Lear's uh, reboot of One Day at a Time which I believe is on Netflix, but she's in her mid eighties. And actually um, there are most of them, uh, except for Natalie Wood are still alive. And the movie is, it holds up. So the, the graphics, just the graphics for the, the intro music and the, the, the final credits, which is all done in graffiti are just so incredible. Uh, The music is by Leonard Bernstein, Bernstein, Bernstein. And uh, the lyrics were by a young, Stephen Sondheim. The choreography is by Jerome Robbins, who actually directed a lot of the film, but then he got fired. Uh, He was working the dancers too hard on the pavement, and I think he kind of lost his mind. So uh, Robert Wise, I believe, was the, the chief director. But the funny thing about it is it's it's turf wars. It's it's us against them. It's it's the the PRs against uh, the Caucasian people. And it's funny because some of the Jets don't look super Caucasian, but they've dyed their hair blonde. And it's like it's like they didn't have the right hair coloring system in 1961 to get it to like a decent blonde. So um, it's like this yellow blonde hair. But look, it's just to prove that they're they're Aryan and they're white and they are are the Jets. So the opening number is this elaborate dance between the Jets and the, the Sharks. And it's done throughout I, I believe the Upper West Side where Lincoln Center or the Lincoln Towers now stand, but they they were going to graze the entire neighborhood and they actually kept the neighborhood, um, the buildings up until they finished filming. And then they knocked them all down and built Lincoln Center and the Lincoln Center Towers. So um, that's the, the streets weren't crowded because it was an abandoned neighborhood. But anyway, um, these queens, honey, they come, they're tough, they're rough and tumble, but they are doing grand jetés and grand battements and these huge kicks, bam, wham, whack. And uh, they're, I feel like they're, they're all very good looking. They're, there's a lot of hotties in, uh, I only have eyes for one. Uh, it's Joy Boy, who's played by uh, a, a dancer named Bobby Bannis. If you go to YouTube and type in best 60s boy dancer, the nitty gritty. So I'll let you, you can pause it there. 
So I, you can write that down. The best uh, 60s boy dancer, the nitty gritty. You can see him, Bobby Bannis, dancing uh, the nitty gritty on the Judy Garland show, uh, which is um, it's fucking incredible. This kid is like made out of rubber and he is just jerking it around. He's incredible. And he's one of the Jets. And uh, I, I only look at him. Uh, they're all they're all great, but I only have eyes for him. So ultimately, they uh, the star-crossed lovers meet at this incredible scene, the dance at the gym, which was filmed at foot level. They built the sets. I read six feet uh, above the ground, so they could put the cameras at like foot level uh, and really get the the dance moves. But I guess Jerome Robbins worked these these kids. They did like hundreds of takes. Uh, they went way over schedule. But, oh, it's it's an amazing scene. So if you have time today just to look up the dance at the gym, I think that's that's probably wise. Uh, to me, the star of the show is Riff's girlfriend, Graziella. <laughs> she reminds me of someone that would be like friends with Divine in a John Waters movie. Like, you know, there's there's Chiclet and Concetta and Graziella. And she just has like a big red bouffant that flips up on the bottom. And she just she's pissed off it looks pissed off about everything and she uh is just devastated when obviously when riff spoiler when riff gets stabbed i think all of the action occurs in one night it seems like it's all like going to be on the big fight is going to the rumble is going to be on that same night but these star-crossed lovers and by the way the word lover it makes me laugh. I, I feel like no one says lover anymore. I took a lover. <laughs> He's my lover. Were they lovers? It's just, it's a funny word to me. And I've seen it a couple times. And some of my older friends, I have this wonderful older friend who she, I was talking to her about uh, Paris and she said the uh, Ile Saint-Louis was a place that she loved so much. She had a lover there once. And I was like, of course you did. Like, Older people say lover, and we don't. I don't know what we say, really. Uh, think of your own thing. So, uh, yeah, star-crossed lovers, and they see only each other, and this this love, this forbidden, it can never be. Uh, but when Tony sneaks up into her bedroom, they sing, tonight, tonight. And the lip-syncing is so bad, like, I just want to fix it. I, I know that they're not really singing. I know it's not really them, but it's such an important song. And, uh, you know, Tony sings Something's Coming on his own uh, in the, I think, in the, the drugstore basement, it looks like. So he's got that one covered. Uh, but Tony and Maria sing uh, tonight and just watch their lips. It's like watching bad drag. Like, come on, get it together. You didn't learn the words. They couldn't have synced this up a little bit better with all the money they spent on this movie. But still, it's a it's a gorgeous song. I find myself wanting more from Tony uh, in the song Maria, too. He never he I, like I almost want him to cry during it. Like, I just want more more emotion from Tony. So who could forget America? I like to be in America. I, I, I. This is probably the gayest episode I've done. You, you would think the other ones might have been kind of gay, but if you really want to know what gets a gay man going, throw a musical in front of him and he'll start uh, saying, I, I, I. Uh, Rita Moreno, uh, she sings her own stuff. 
in America. It's a duet between her and Bernardo and then the sharks and the girls join in. I guess uh, on Broadway, it was just the girls. And in the film, Jerome Robbins had the boys join them. And it really made the the number just incredible. It's a knee slapper. It makes me wish I was wearing a a full skirt so I could just kick my leg. And uh, you could tell I'm getting excited. Who would think that I'm sitting here with pink eye? See, Pink Eye, you can talk and do stuff with Pink Eye. It's so weird. Um, Unfortunately, there's the Officer Krupke. I don't know how you feel about Officer Krupke. Uh, The last line is, Officer Krupke, Krupp you. But Stephen Sondheim really, really wanted them to say fuck you. He wanted it to be the first musical that had fuck and shit in it. I forgot which song. I think When You're a Jet, something take no shit something but he wanted fucking shit in there and they wouldn't they wouldn't let him do it so um officer krupke eh, i don't know and it's got that strange little creature anybody's the tomboy and wannabe jet so they all have really interesting names big deal tiger snowboy uh baby face arab or baby john um so that's the just the jets you know the, the sharks have, you know, their own names, Rocco, Luis, Toro, Del Campo. And uh, but anybody's is kind of like a, like a little baby dyke. She wants to be a part of it. She's kind of a uh, she slithers all around New York City to find Tony. And uh, when he's uh, in hiding and but she's just she's adorable. She like you could pluck her out of this movie and put her into like the L word or modern family. And she would just look so normal. Um, it was kind of a brave, strange move to have sort of a a gender bending character in 1961. But anyway, uh, she fascinates me, clearly. So what's next? Maria is super in love and she feels pretty. I feel pretty. It's such a good number. Uh, it's just beautiful. The colors, the colors of, of, of the, the fabric and the lighting in the dress shop are, are just really gorgeous. They're, they're almost surreal. They're, they're like a cotton candy confection. They're just awesome. Oh, you know what I just thought of? How much makeup do these people have on? Especially the the people who are supposed to pass for Puerto Rican. Uh, Bernardo, his his face is beat. He has a lot of makeup on. They they uh, they went through a lot of pancake foundation in this film, and I don't. It's not in HD, that's for sure. But the it's it's pretty evident that a lot of these boys are uh, wearing full face. And they are rough and tumble. Don't forget. So uh, one hand, one heart. I know that that's something that I sung at many a wedding. They sang it at mine. Uh, Oh, so beautiful. And the quintet, the quintet is just gorgeous. It's it's just perfect. Uh, I want to cut to the part where there's well, cool is also a great song. And I almost forgot about cool. Like I thought, when are they did they cut cool out of this? And cool happens you know, very close to uh, the end of the movie. But a boy like that who kill your brother, forget that boy. There's there's a part where they're singing I Have a Love where Anita's like lying on the bed and she says, I don't know what the line is. She's like, just bursts out with, oh, no, Anita, no. She just like, suddenly, Marnie Nixon's working overtime. Uh, I heard she only made $18,000. Uh, initially on her role as the uh, voice actress for Maria. But anyway, that that whole song is is pretty good between um, 
Anita and Maria. But it's all leading up to the tension of uh, killing Tony. I saw West Side Story at Shays Buffalo, our beautiful uh, theater that we have here in Buffalo. And when Tony got shot, the audience laughed. I was so angry. What are you laughing at, you assholes? You can't bring people out to the theater these days. They wear hoodies and sweatpants, and they laugh when Tony gets shot. Not cool. Uh, But it's kind of a bloodless death in this film, and sort of makes way for Natalie Wood to do some acting finally, where she's like, I have hate now. You know, she's she's finally got hate in her heart. I think that's what she needed all along. Maybe that's the, the message here. Have hate and you'll be a better actress. So they carry Tony's body away. It's, it's very, very dramatic. And they do it to the tune of Somewhere. And then the finale and the, the end credits, I think, take steal the show. Who... Who took the time to do this, to write them all up on a, on, a, on a wall full of graffiti and then, you know, film them individually? Incredible. So I just think that it's a super gay movie. I think that the the sharks and the jets, there's lots of eye candy there. Um, their 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 way of of Jerome Robbins did an incredible job of making them look semi-tough <laughs> but also just beautiful male dancers which you don't see in a lot of a lot of films i i think unfortunately the uh the leads are a little weak the secondary characters bernardo and anita are more interesting to me um i think that the the whole the the puerto rican crew fascinates me more than the the caucasoid uh jets except for graziella who'll cut a bitch and you know she will so Go uh, find West Side Story. I'm sure it's on uh, streaming. Do people buy DVDs anymore? I I do. We buy them. Like, we like to own them. We have so many DVDs. But we buy CDs, too. Like, we like to own... I don't know. Like, if it's the end of the world and and suddenly all of the internet goes down, we'll still be able to pop in our our West Side Story soundtrack or, or West Side Story DVD. But... Tony and Maria, let's just take a breath. Tony and Maria could never be together. They were from the different sides of the tracks. They were, they were, uh, one was uh, a jet, the other a shark. Um, One was white, the other was Puerto Rican. It was never meant to be. So one time I fell in love with someone who was never to be my lover. <laughs> oh, that word makes me laugh. Lover. So anyway, when I was about 19, I had a very interesting life. When I was 19, I spent a summer or two uh, linked with an incredible man who was a party promoter in New York City named Lee Chapel, and Lee Chapel Productions would put on these elaborate dances called locomotion, uh, not dances, parties called locomotion at the Roxy in New York. And Lee came to Buffalo. Uh, I met him through a friend, my friend Martin. And he's like, oh, you have to meet Lee. He's fabulous and he will love you. And as a 19 year old, I'd been out for a year, out of the closet for a year. I wanted to meet the most fabulous people. And being a star fucker, I wanted to meet famous people or people who were big in the gay community or in New York City nightlife. So, um, 
that's what starfucker means. Just you want to get close to celebs. So uh, I was that, and I met Lee, and I just fell in love with Lee. And Lee was doing a party. Many of his parties that he did out of town were fundraisers. And uh, this one was to be in Buffalo. And he asked me if I wanted to perform in drag because I had done uh, some just some ugly drag, like like divine type stuff. And if, if you don't know who Divine is, Divine was a uh, an actor who portrayed these sort of vile, filthy, glamorous characters in movies by John Waters, uh, like Pink Flamingos and Female Trouble and uh, Polyester. And so anyway, I had a Divine type feel to, to the drag that I did, and I just did it for fun and attention. And uh, so anyway... They, the, the Lee's formula was outrageous drag queens, drag queens that didn't look like women so much as, as clowns or, or cartoon characters, this bigger than life, you know, seven foot wigs and eyelashes that, that sprung out like a foot from their face and, um, you know, neon makeup or white face and, and, uh, like giant painted on neon lips and just over the top, overblown, outrageous drag S- surreal not sp- not trying to look like a female just surreal and then partnered with these were hot 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 go-go boys uh male dancers who would dance in a g uh or you know a g-string or um you know might paint their bodies but they were just you know really really perfect bodies really good looking and some of them stupid (laughs) male dancers and so we went to a pre-party and at this pre-party were two of the male dancers and one of the male dancers was probably 20 uh, a 20 year old strawberry haired freckle faced man named jerry and i at the time, I would I fell in love in an instant, <laughs> uh, and you know I'd been drinking, of course. So I was like, "I love you." I mean, "Hi, nice to meet you." And Jerry was really, really sweet. He had an aw shucksy quality to him, and uh, was just really, oh my god! I I fell in I fell in love, and I thought there's no way that that somebody this hot. And this beautiful is ever going to love me. But when you're in drag and when you're in, out, in outrageous drag, you're playing a character and you, you are like a clown, like no one knows who you are. And so the next night when we got up on the box, there's lots of dancing on boxes and speakers to uh, music like Black Box or uh, Martha Wash. There was lots of uh, I had a wand. I had a, a magic wand that I would cast spells upon the people on the floor. And, you know, there was Jerry wearing uh, just a G string and he is, you know, bumping and grinding on me and I'm like oh my god see like this is what I'm talking about this is life (laughs) such is life I love life so we did many many of these parties and Jerry and I became very close friends but like so many of my friends I was in love with Jerry and I couldn't quite tell what Jerry's view of me was except just loving me as a friend my costumes got more elaborate and advanced and incredible. I got to go to Toronto and actually fly over a crowd of probably about a thousand people singing Goldfinger, wearing uh, uh, an Auntie Mame inspired uh, pajama set 
and uh, with marabou feathers and a long black ponytail, which was my own hair. I, I had long black hair and crazy face of makeup. And um, I flew onto the stage into the mouths of a sun. And then as the mouth of the sun closed on me, the song Oh Fortuna, Google that or look that up on YouTube, started to play. And the, the crowd went wild. And Jerry also uh, continued to dance. And his his look became a little androgynous. He went from just being a boy in a Speedo to, you know, he felt like he had to throw a wig on his head and a little bit of makeup. But um, it's my show, Jerry. I'm the star of this show. But Jerry and I became kind of a team. He was the go-go boy. I was the drag queen. And uh, we went to New York. We danced at the Palladium. We danced at the Roxy. Lee Chapel was uh, our mentor and friend and just so wonderful. And I remember being in the basement of the Palladium and a drag queen named Constance, whose real name is Robert. And uh, he is one of the... uh, Maple Maplethorpe's original models. Uh, he has he's bald, has no eyebrows, no eyelashes, um, and it's a, a portrait of Robert and another man. Uh, and he is uh, a famous drag queen in New York named Constance. And I, of course, had a whip and. Constance was like, honey, I'm going to teach you how to crack that whip in the air. So, you know, how you can like crack a whip in the air. Of course you do. Again, this is super relatable, this particular podcast. But anyway, he taught me how to crack the whip in the air. And uh, I've since made contact, of course, through Facebook with Constance to say, hey, when I was 19, you taught me how to crack a whip in the air. I love you. Thank you. Uh, You know, of course, to which he said, you know, darling, of course I did. But anyway, uh, Jerry and I became closer and closer. We would sleep in the same bed together. Um, We were having an emotional relationship, but Jerry and I were never lovers. I I wanted to be his boyfriend so badly, and I didn't throw myself at him for sure, but I just, it was sort of this unrequited love that, uh, oh, it was painful. It was painful. So, Towards the end of our relationship, I remember him, he started dating other people and I did not handle this well. For instance, I threw a gin and tonic at Jerry's head <laughs> at a club called Club Heat and it, it hit hit a wall. It, I missed him, but uh, I threw a gin because I felt like he was cheating on me. But it's because we were having this, you know, sort of uh, affair of the heart that I thought he was somehow beholden to me and he wasn't. So uh, one time I slept over at his house and he had brought someone home and I I saw, I remember going, like peeking in in the room. I was sleeping on the couch. When I peeked in, Jerry was in bed with this guy we knew, Joe. So I took Joe's shoes. It was winter in Buffalo and I put them out in the snow. So Joe didn't have any shoes. So I was being petty, peppermint petty, petty McPetterton. That was me. But I was in love. I loved Jerry. I loved him. I loved his, his, I loved everything about Jerry. So I was in love with Jerry. Jerry made an announcement. I'm moving home. He was moving back to uh, Syracuse, where he lived, and he was going to pursue photography. And I was my world came crashing down. Remember, I'm 19, so I'm still not even developmentally, you know, finished. You know, your your developmental phase starts at birth and ends at the end of your 21st year. So I was still impressionable. I was still, you know, young and I, I didn't, ha- I wasn't even de- fully developed. It, my brain was still growing and I couldn't handle the fact that my love, the love of my life 
although he didn't love me back, uh, was leaving. And I think he did love me. In retrospect, Jerry loved me very much. Um, he adored me. He wasn't sexually attracted to me. And I thought that the, when at 19, I thought that that was all there really was. That's like the, the icing on the cake. So if we're not going to do it, we're not boyfriends. And why are we hanging out so much? But you're moving and it's breaking my heart. So I was melancholy. I was listening to every sad Barbara Streisand song, every listening to The Man That Got Away by Judy Garland. Oh, she's singing it right to me. And uh, I went to the mall and I bought, I went to like Claire's Boutique or Taupe Copy or one of those cheap ass jewelry stores. And I bought two halves of a heart, one on each chain. And I thought, I'm going to give him one half. And then the other half of his heart will belong to me. And I remember I, I was so in love at the time that I, I was crying. And uh, my mother asked me why I was crying. And at 19, I had only been out for a year. I never discussed uh, any of my love interests with my mother, but I felt like he was legitimate enough to say, you know, I really, I love someone and he's moving away and it's breaking my heart. And I remember my mom comforting me, which was a bold move for her, you know, when I hadn't, she wasn't really used to this gay thing. And I was, at 19, I was like a professional gay person. That's that's what I do. I'm gay. Gay for a living. So my, uh, Jerry, oh, I can't even remember the last time I saw him, but it was, the, I'm sure the most, I'm sure it happened in a car. I was probably driving him home and, uh, oh, he just, he looked like a little Richie Cunningham, like a very, uh, a teenage Ron Howard if you want to picture this guy and uh, but with like a, a body, like a smoke show, hot sex on a stick. So anyway, but Ron Howard is not sex on a stick, but Jerry, Jerry was for sure. So anyway, I gave him half the heart and we cried and we embraced and I probably cried all the way home. And then I probably cried for another week. I mean, I lost sleep over this guy. Like I, I tossed and turned dreaming about Jerry, but it was never to be. Uh, we were never to be together. It just we were too different. He was hot. I was not. So he was a go-go boy. I was a drag queen. The age old, you know. Shakespeare. So years went by and I seldom thought about Jerry. I moved on. I moved on to Orlando, Florida. I was working uh, for a large company <laughs> based in Orlando, Florida that creates magical experiences for their guests. A company that I will not name because I don't want them to pull this podcast. Uh, but anyway, there was a, uh, for fun, we used to go to a place called Fair Villa Video. And Fair Villa Video is an adult bookstore. It's huge. It's like a, a megaplex. Uh, and it's, it's for adults. So there were adult videos. Uh, this was pre-DVD. So this is probably 96, 97 and uh, like rows and rows and rows as far as the, the eye could see of different types of porn and sex toys, of course, and lingerie and Fair Villa video was it wasn't like the dirty old man, although they did something I loved at Fair Villa. If you were caught stealing, they would prosecute you 
unless you were willing to have them take your Polaroid and have them post it in the store with what you tried to steal, saying, you know, this scumbag tried to steal, you know, this video called, you know, Shaving Ryan's Privates and... Uh, you know, what a scum. And then they would put the video on the end caps uh, or the, the Polaroid on the end caps so you could see who'd stolen. So they'd let you leave, but they'd put your picture up, which I thought was kind of good. So you, d- dirty old men couldn't come in this place. This was a place for the fun, fun folks like me and my friends. So we, uh, you know, you're, I don't know if any of you have ever looked at pornography. I certainly have not. <laughs> Um, but if I did, I'd tell you it's dizzying. The, the, your brain gets filled with so many quick images that it's, it's impossible to register the, the, the millions of images, one's not mine, certainly, but that the millions of images one's eyes have seen and your brain has registered. So I'm looking at the DVDs or the, the videos and, you know, I'm looking at the ridiculous titles and they're, they're one after the other more insane. In doing my research for this episode, I did find some funny, <laughs> funny titles uh, of, of some porn. Black Cock Down. We all remember that one. Um, there's uh, Come A Lot. Classic. Um, Dawson's Crack. <laughs> Ejacula. Oh, whoa. That's that's a good one. Uh, Forest Hump. Uh, wow. Uh, honey, I, <laughs> I can't even say some of these. I dream of weenie. That's, a, you know, we all know that one. Uh, let's see. Missionary Impossible. Miss, missionary Position Impossible. That's not very funny. Uh, Nightmare on Dyke Street. So this is where they start just giving up. Um, Rambone. Yeah. Pulp Friction. Uh, let's see. S- no. The Da Vinci Load. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. But anyway, so these are, it's ridiculous, and you're looking, and you're seeing lots of bare butts and chests and, and butts and, 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 and dicks and chests and butts. And then my eyes lock onto a face that I know, a face that I recognize, a face, the face of a man that I once loved. Yes. Among the the uh, you know <laughs> the titles are getting me again. Uh, uh, among the hundreds, if not thousands, of videos, Jerry's face is staring back at me in a film called Manhattan Wrecking Crew or Wrestling Crew. I don't remember now, but let's just call it the Manhattan Wrestling Crew. And there's Jerry. I, it's uh, I, uh, I gobsmacked. Uh, totally plotting i was i was uh for tootsed and for blundered and i was i was with friends so they're like moving on i'm like no no wait i know <laughs> someone okay so this guy i used to love um and we had an affair of the heart and there he okay so i grabbed the movie and it was definitely jerry and i was uh, so I rented this thing and I brought it home. And when my roommate was away, I popped this thing in. <laughs> there is no, I can't describe the feeling of seeing someone you once loved with all your heart, someone that you gave 
a necklace to with half a heart on it, believing that the other half belonged to me, getting banged by half of the Manhattan wrestling crew right there on my TV. Wow. What I thought you were going back to Syracuse to do photography. What? Uh, wow. So um, he had a fake name to protect the innocent HIPAA. <laughs> Is this PHI HIPAA? I'm not going to tell you what his porn name was because I I, I want to be respectful. So I'll give him uh, a name. We'll call him Dick. <laughs> I'm making this up. Dick Hotbottom. So it's, you know, I wanted to see if Dick Hotbottom had made any other films. And lo and behold, he had. Uh, he was working for Hot House Productions, which was out of California. And uh, he was in a few other movies. So I grabbed them all just out of wild curiosity. Like, what? what is... Does he look sad when he's getting, uh, does he seem happy? Is this made good for, uh, listen, I am now at, at, at 47 through, through a different set of eyes. I'm all for sex work. I think it's great. If this is how you want to make your living, if sex work is how you want to do it, who am I to judge? But at, you know, in my mid twenties, when I'm looking at this, I was a little judgy, like, Hey, I didn't think this was the path you were going to go down. What happened to photography? So. This can't be the same sweet Jerry who uh, came to my 19th birthday party or who I used to pick up at Wegmans wearing his aqua shoes or who I just cuddled with in bed. I mean, here you are getting you're the lucky Pierre in a movie called The Road Home. Lucky Pierre. Another thing to look up. There's so much in this one. Uh, See what happens when you have pink eye. Lots comes to mind. So anyway, I watched these with with great sadness. Uh, There was certainly nothing erotic about it. I was like, oh, my God. Whoa, look at that. Oh, look at this guy. Hey, now, Lord. Whoa. Okay. And, uh, you know, he was a beautiful man. He was beautiful to look at. Uh, Not a great actor. (laughs) No surprise. Jerry wasn't the smartest man. He was more, again, aw shucks, just kind of simple pimple. So, uh... I I returned the videos and now I had an amazing story to tell. Hey, you guys remember Jerry? Well, guess what I just saw? Yeah, the road home. His his uh, his his the classic film that 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 Dick. What did I call him? Dick Hotbottom starred in. So. As I got uh, savvy on the computer, I went to Hot House Productions website and sent them a letter and saying, hi, uh, my name is Sean. I am a really good friend of Dick Hotbottom. <laughs> and uh, I just want to make sure he's OK. Uh, we were really good friends. And I know that he seemed pretty innocent when I knew him. And I'm just hoping that he I, I can imagine the world of adult film is um, you get involved in drugs and you get involved in unprotected sex. And it's easy to um, fall in with the wrong crowd, probably. And I just want to make sure he's OK. Uh, so please give Dick my number and I'm just reaching out to him. So I got a a kind of a canned letter back that we're protective of our stars, our stars. He's a star. And uh, we will not give you any information, but I really wanted them to give my information to, uh, to Jerry just so he knew that, you know, someone from his old life, because God, what, what could it be like to be a porn star? I would, I would think not maybe in the mid nineties, not, not, uh, 
I mean, who knows? Who who knows? So, anyway, uh, I didn't get anything back from from Jerry. Once in a while, through the years, I've thought about. I had a dream that I ran into him, and I in the dream I was like, I'm not going to tell him that I know that he's a porn star. Uh, I've Googled image searched him and found him, but found that he hadn't been making movies in a while. Um, and it's funny because when it goes to a, a like a bio of Dick hot bottom it's not like you know grew up in midst uh in uh new york state and you know likes photography it's like his bubble butt and red uh, red hair make him hot like a strawberry like like that's that's great that's a biography so uh, anyway i i he's been out of my mind he's been out of my mind for years and years i'm i'm married i have an amazing husband i have a son i live a simple life and my friend david who is hysterical and i have to get him on here just to talk about gay things but my friend david uh was talking to him on the phone. He's like, "Ugh." he's like, I came across uh, a, like a 28 minute in memoriam for dead gay porn stars. And I was like, oh, my God, that's great. <laughs> Send it to me. He's like, yeah. He's like, you'll be amazed at how many um, of these people you would recognize from film. And he's like, and there so many of them are dead. He's like, it's each person gets about six seconds. It's like an in memoriam from the Oscars. Like they play sad music. <laughs> it's a video. They play sad music and they put like the years of, you know, that they were alive and then the cause of death. And it goes back to like old seventies, gay porn stars to, to modern day. There's everything from AIDS to homicide to auto accident to unknown. Oh, yes. Some of the birth years are unknown, which I thought was sort of funny. But uh, he sent it to me. And while this is parenting, parenting epic fail, while Jack is watching Moana, I'm sitting on the couch watching a a litany of dead porn star uh, (laughs) images come up. And it was 28 minutes long. So there were tons of them. And I will admit, I did recognize many from from my youth. But anyway, it didn't hit me till the middle of it that what if what if Jerry is on here? What if what if Jerry's dead? Like this it's very possible again not the brightest i mean bless his heart <laughs> as they say but not the brightest could have got in with the wrong people maybe gullible maybe vulnerable maybe dead so now i start watching it with with like this nervousness like as it fades to black and then the next dead gay porn star appears uh is it going to be Jerry, you know, and you know, will it say Dick Hotbottom 1970 to 2017? So I'm waiting for Dick Hotbottom, Dick Hotbottom, Dick Hotbottom, Dick Hotbottom. And then there's like two minutes left. I'm like, it's going to happen. It's I'm, I'm sure. Oh, God, please don't be dead, Jerry. I I, I loved you. You're an, impor- an important part of my history. And uh, I want you to be alive. So this thing ended. May they rest in peace, it said <laughs> in bold white lettering. And may they rest in peace. And he wasn't dead. So I th- feel like he would have been in it if he were dead. Right. So. I kind of breathed a sigh of relief and I haven't thought about Jerry in a hundred years, but I started thinking about 
like the the men in my life that I've loved who loved me back, but not in that way and how that makes a person feel and how now at this age, how wonderful it was to have been able to love someone as much as I've loved some of these, these people. And I was thinking about, clearly it's a weak tie to West Side Story, but not all relationships are are going to last. Not all loves are going to be that the one love of your life. And, you know, there are people that are put in your life for a short time. And I've, I've read, you know, they're put in your life for a short time to teach you a lesson, perhaps, uh, to teach you something valuable. And then they leave your life. People come in and out of your life. I have lots of friends that, that come in and out very frequently. Uh, I don't talk to them for years. Then they reappear, maybe again with some sort of message or lesson. Uh, And then I have friends that have been in my life constantly since I was a little boy. Um, My friend Lori and I have been friends since kindergarten, which was 1975. We've never lost touch. Uh, My friend Alicia and I have been been best friends since 1988. So we're going on 30 years of, of complete uh, connection and love. And so I was thinking about Jerry and like, what, what did Jerry, what did Jerry teach me? <laughs> what was it like to see him on a, 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 the cover of a porn film box or two? Uh, and just that, that feeling of how like not, not everything's supposed to last forever and not, not all loves and relationships last forever. And that's really okay. Look at Tony and Maria. Did they know each other for a day? I, I really feel like West Side Story takes place all in the same day. The morning, the Jets and the Sharks are yucking it up in the playground. They go to the dance at the gym. They decide at the dance at the gym they're going to have the rumble. They have the rumble. Uh, two people die. Tony goes into hiding. Tony comes out of hiding. Maria forgives him. Then he gets shot by Chino. Then Maria knows hate. And it's still dark out. So I think it's the same day. So they knew each other for a day. How did this affect Maria? Clearly Tony died, so we don't we can't speculate. But how did it affect Maria? Was Tony Maria's Jerry? Was Tony Maria's dick hot bottom? <laughs> this is crazy. So anyway, I really wanted to just give you a review of West Side Story. Plus, yesterday, David sent me the the dead gay porn star uh, in memoriam, which was sad, but I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember that one. Some uh, anyway, I guess there's you could just YouTube everything I've said or Google everything I've said, especially the nitty gritty. I want you to watch the nitty gritty. It's fun. Uh, but anyway, I probably won't think of Jerry again for another 10 to 15 years. But uh, Jerry, if you're out there listening, um, I hope you're okay. I love you. I loved you. You were such a sweet soul to me when I was just coming out and you were the hottest person I'd ever slept in a bed with. And I appreciate that too. And I just hope you are well. And even if you're a sex worker, I think that just take good care of yourself. Know who you are. Own it. Be safe. Get yourself on prep and have, have the best life you can live. I loved you. And I love you. And uh, I wish I could sing more from West Side Story, but I'm always afraid the streets are listening. If I sing too much, they're going to copyright hit me and and rip my entire podcast from the air. So anyway, remember, not all relationships in your life are are there to last forever. Some are, are for a day day and night. Some are for months at a time and and some are 
going to be lifelong. So, um, you know, something's coming. Get it? Okay. I love you. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Bye.